Flip over to 1 Corinthians 12. Good to see everybody this morning. It's going to be a good day today in the house of God, isn't it? So we're going to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to start there in a moment. Now, we're going to continue our series on my church. Everybody say, my church. church. There we go. One more time. My church. We're going to continue this series on my church. This is the fourth part of it. Uh, So if uh, you haven't been here to hear this, I I encourage you to get online, get on the website. You can listen to them. You can listen to them on your phone. You can listen to them on the computer. You can download them. It's all free. Uh, Just so you can get caught up because we've covered a lot of things the past several weeks. We're going to cover some more stuff today. And um, if you want to listen to that, it's available for you. Uh, So today we're going to be starting uh, the fourth part of this. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. And it's going to be in the New Living Translation today. That's where I'm going to be reading from. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by the Spirit. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, but just one. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part, notice, where he wants it. It says, how strange it would be if a body had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet. I don't need you. Verse 22, in fact, some of the parts of the body that seem the weakest or least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable and we clothe with great care are actually more honorable. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts, we require special care. So God has put the body with extra honor and extra care to those parts that are given less Dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so all the members care for each other. Verse 26 If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Verse 27 All of you together, notice our Christ's body, each of you is a part of it. Can I get amen this morning? It's okay if we read the Bible this morning, isn't it? So today we're going to be talking about every part matters. Every part matters. Can you say that? Every part matters. Every part matters. And we're going to be talking about the body of Christ today. Now, we've been talking about my church and the significance of the church. Now, as a little uh, opener to this message, I want to say a couple things about the church to kind of recap what we've been talking about on Sundays. Uh, we've been talking about my church the past several weeks. We talked about Better Together. We talked about uh, Pebbles and Boulders. We talked about uh, the other week, we talked about a building and the body of Christ. We talked about um, the importance of growing up, why you need a church. We talked about all these things. But today we're going to focus on the church of Jesus being a body. Now, 
it gives so many examples in the Bible of what a church is. And we're going to get into those things, but let me say a couple things about the church. Many people want to know, why church? Why is it important that you go to church? Why is it important that we're a part of church? Why is it even important that I take time out of my life to be a part of something like the church? Now, if you've been here, you know a lot of those questions have been answered. Amen. Right? Okay. (laughs) A lot of those questions have been answered. And it's okay that you have questions about the church and is it important? Is it relevant? Today in 2016, should anybody even be a part of a church? Is it organized religion or is it something that God created? It's okay that you have questions, but let's not just stop there with having questions. Let's get your questions answered. And hopefully that's what we've done the past several weeks is answer your questions about the church. Is it important? Which we realized it is. It's the most important thing on the planet. The local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the solution to the world's problems. You know, a new president is not the solution to America's problems. Did you know that? I don't care who's in there. They are not the solution to the world's problems. The church is the solution to the world's problems. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the vehicle that God is using to change the world. Nothing else. And that's what Jesus said he is building on the planet. Jesus is building his church. And it says, when he builds his church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. The church is the most powerful thing on the planet. If the church actually woke up and realized the authority we have as the church of Jesus Christ, this world would be different by next week. It would be over and done with and we'd be in heaven by now if we realized that the church is in authority and the church is in charge. And the church has the power. Not politicians, not celebrities. Come on, somebody. Where you at? The church is in authority. The church is in charge. But we have to realize who we are. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The church is doing more good today than any other organization or religion on the planet. There's nobody that comes close to what the church of Jesus Christ has done. And they never will. Because there's a big difference between the church and the rest of the world. There's a big difference between the church of Jesus Christ and other organized religion. There's a big difference between the church and even other good organizations because God himself is backing up the local church. That's why it's different. That's why there's power behind it. It's not just self-effort. It's not let me just hand you some more food. It's not let me just give you stuff, a pat on the back and, and some more clothes. It's power behind those actions. We need to do those things. But it's not just that. It's the power of God behind that to change people's lives. And we all know this. You can dump food and clothes and water into a country that's struggling. And they will continue to struggle unless the church changes lives by the power of God. Because the gospel is the only hope out of poverty, out of sickness, out of depression. And the only people that has the gospel is the church. Are you here this morning? You're going to need to respond a little bit better this morning. Because the church is the hope of the world. And the church has the answers. We should stop walking around like we don't know what we're doing. Like we don't have the answers when we do have the answers. When people ask you questions, don't be timid, don't be shy, don't act like you don't know what's going on. You have the answers on the inside of you because you are the hope of the world. 
Come on, somebody. And we should be bold. I didn't say arrogant, but we should be bold. When people ask us a question, we know. Not because we're so smart, because we're a part of the church, and we've learned the Word of God at church, so we have the answers. And those answers aren't just your answers. They're God's answers for people. And so we got to be bold. Let's not act like we don't know what's going on, like everybody else has the answers. No, the church has the answers. It says in Timothy that the church is the pillar of truth in the world. Not philosophers. Not some Ph.D. atheist who wrote a book who thinks he's smart. The church of Jesus Christ is the pillar of truth. They might have facts, but the word has truth. And truth overrides all these facts that people try to bring up. Just because somebody has an education behind their name, because they can talk well, does not mean they know what they're talking about. Because the word of God in the church of Jesus Christ is the pillar of truth in the earth. That was free. Every last bit of it. None of it was in my notes. But the church is important. Why church? We gave you a lot of reasons last week. We said that you need to grow up. Two people did, I guess. Let me say that one more time. You need to grow up. Every last one of you, including myself. And you can't do it by yourself. That's why you need a church. And we said, you know, the church brings unity into your life. It brings stability into your life that you can't get by yourself. It says those who are planted, notice, in the house of God will flourish. Those who are planted in the house of God are stable, are refreshed, are producing fruit. Notice those who are planted in the church, not just attending church that are planted. It brings stability into your life. But let me read this. This is a quote from... Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible. A lot of you know the Message Bible. This is what he said about the church. This is a real quick quote. He said, so why church? I love this. He said, the short answer is because the Holy Spirit formed it to be the colony of heaven in the country of death. And he said, what a privilege we have to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. He said the Holy Spirit formed it to be the colony of heaven in the country of death. You realize that's what the church is because this isn't our home. Heaven's our home. And you know when somebody takes a a, a new country, a new territory, they send a group over to form a colony. And that's what we are, the church of Jesus Christ, is the colony of heaven in the country of death. People should be drawn to us because they see life, and they see the light, and they see hope. And that's what we're called to be in the earth. And notice what he says, what a privilege we have to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. It's an honor to be a part of church. It's a privilege. It's not a duty. It's not a task. It's not something like, "Ah, I guess I'll be there. It's the best thing you could give your life for. It's the most important thing that you can do all week. Not your job. Not your hobbies. Not your Netflix schedule. I know, it's hard, but still, it's not that. It's church. To be a part of the community of God on the earth. To be a part of the family of God. To be a part of what God is doing on the earth. That's the greatest privilege we'll ever have in our life. 
And trust me, when you look back at your life, you're, you're going to regret a lot of things. But the main thing is probably going to be that you didn't give enough to what God was doing on the earth. You let things that weren't important in light of eternity take priority in your life. We need to make decisions in our schedule about what's important, not just tomorrow, but what's important in eternity. A lot of times we don't make decisions like that. We go for the instant gratification. That's just where we live. That's who we are. We want it right now. But we need to make decisions based on, is this going to matter in eternity? Is this going to matter a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, 300 years from now. And the only thing that's going to matter then is what's done for Christ and his church, nothing else. And we need to make decisions based off of that. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read this here. It's interesting that in the scriptures, especially the New Testament, the church is referred to as different things, but some of the things it's referred to is this. And he gives word pictures for it. In Ephesians 5, we mentioned this before, the church of Jesus is referred to as his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Now, when we talked about pebbles and boulders, the New Testament refers to the church as a building. It is the building of God, or it is the house of God that he's building. But it also has another thing it refers to. In the New Testament. And it says the church is a body. We are the body of Christ on the earth. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it explains that. It talks about that we are the body of Christ. And we all have different parts to play in this body. Now, when Jesus was here in physical form, he was the body of Christ. But when Jesus left and went back to heaven... It says he sent the Holy Spirit to us, and the church was birthed that day. And when the church was formed, he sent the Spirit of God to dwell in believers like us. And when he did that, we became the body of Christ on the earth. Now, Jesus is the head. He's in charge. He's first. He's the one directing this. But we are his body on the earth. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. I've mentioned this several times. I'm going to mention it again. A lot of times, especially church people, feel like if we're going to have revival, if people are going to get healed, if people are going to get delivered, if our city is going to change, if things are going to be different, if people are going to get saved, then somehow that God is going to mysteriously just do it in the invisible realm and we have no part to play in it. That is the biggest lie that's ever held back the church that has ever been spoken. Because we realize that the head is not doing anything apart from the body. And the body is not doing anything apart from the head. They go together. It says in the scriptures that we are co-laborers with Jesus. It didn't say he's doing it all by himself. He does it, notice, through the church. Jesus heals people through his church. Jesus saves people through his church. Jesus delivers people, notice, not just mysteriously, Through his church, which we are. We are the body of Christ. 
A lot of us are saying, God, I want you to go talk to my friend across the street. I want you to go heal that person that I work with. You know what he's saying today? Where are the hands in the body? Where are the feet at? In the body. Take your two blessed feet and walk across the street and talk to somebody. Because that is Jesus talking to them. And you can sit there the rest of your life saying, God, I pray that you would send somebody across their path. And they're never going to be changed because you are the one that God has called to do it. Because you are his body on the earth. You could say the rest of your life, Father, I want to see people healed at my job. He said, well, guess what? The hands are in the body. Go take your two hands and lay it on somebody. And the word of God says, when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. But notice, the body has to do it. We realize the power doesn't come from the body. It comes from the head, but he goes through his church. He moves through his body. He changes people through us. Are you guys getting what I'm saying this morning? He moves through us. And a lot of us are waiting, waiting, waiting. That's why the church is in the shape it's in as a whole around the world. We're waiting on God to do something. We're waiting on revival. We're waiting for people to come to church. We're waiting for people to get saved. And God is waiting on us. We're not waiting on a move of God. He's waiting on a move of man. We got to do something. And he says in his word, when we step out, notice, he steps out. Come on now, I'm preaching. When we step out, he steps out. When we lay hands, then the healing power of God comes. Not before. When we lay hands on somebody, notice, then the power of God comes to deliver those people. When we step out, God steps out. But if we don't, he's not going to do anything. Because we are the body of Christ. Think about how important you are today. That you are the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. What kind of power do you have backing you up today? What kind of privilege do you have behind you that you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody every day of your life? If we only realize what, what we have. And notice it takes faith. You realize you got to step out, then God gives you the words to say. You got to step out, then God gives you the power to heal. You got to step out, then God gives you the power to deliver somebody. You got to step out, and then God will help you counsel somebody who needs help. But until his church moves, nothing will be done. You guys are getting me fired up. Stop, stop, calm down. You're trying to act like we're Pentecostal charismatics in here. What a privilege we have as the body of Christ. We get to be a part of what God's doing. We get to see people's lives change. Notice, and we get to be a part of it. We realize it's not us that is doing it, but he's using us. I tell you, that's the most fulfilling thing in this life is to let God use you to help somebody else. Isn't it? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever had that before. You realize when you're talking sometimes, just like this morning, when you're talking sometimes, you realize these are not my words. This is God speaking through me. I know you've experienced that in private. You realize, I had no idea what to say to this person. Then these words start coming. That is God speaking through you. You realize you didn't feel any goosebumps, and you laid hands on somebody, and they got healed. That was the power of God moving through you to help somebody else, 
to deliver somebody else, to help somebody else. And it's not from you, but God moves through you. And that is the privilege that we have to play. We are his body on the earth. I tell you, if every person in this place got revelation of that, that would dramatically change your Monday through Saturday. There would, no, there would be no more, I'm bored. There would be no more, I gotta go to work. There would be no more, I gotta go to school. You would be excited about your life because you realize the priority and the power that God has placed on you as his body. So there's no such thing as, I'm bored. God's boring, work's boring, life's boring. How can it be when God is trying to use you every day of your life? Because you're his body. Now the reason a lot of us are in the opposite category because we don't have revelation of this. That's another reason why you came to church today. Is to realize what you have in you Monday through Saturday. Like we said last week, to realize you have responsibility when you leave this place. That you are the body of Christ and you're just as anointed out there than you are in here. And God wants to use you. And God's power wants to move to you because why? Jesus moves through his body. He doesn't do anything apart from his body in this earth. Woo! We are a part of the body of Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. And he goes on to verse 15. He says, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? No. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it not make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, that's called the Cyclops Church. (laughs) Weird. That's just weird. That's creepy. This is not a horror movie. Okay, we don't want a Cyclops Church. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies, notice, have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. Notice he put each part where he wants it. Now, a couple things we want to mention here as we're reading these scriptures. He goes on in verse 19 and says, How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Notice that. He said the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. This goes right along with what we were just saying. Jesus is the head, and we're the body. And notice he uses this because we could say the head would be the most significant part of the body, in people's opinion. And the feet would probably be the the least significant in the body. And he says, speaking through the Apostle Paul to write this, Jesus himself says, the head, which is Jesus, would never say to the least part of the body of Christ, I don't need you. Because he needs us. And he wants to use us. And there is nobody in the body of Christ that God would ever say, I don't need you. There is no person in this building today that God would say, nope, sit down. I can do it without you. I got it. 
Jesus would never say that to any of us. Why? Because we all make up different parts of the body, and every part matters. Even if it seems insignificant to other people, every part matters. Now, let me ask you about this. There's a lot of parts of our body that we feel like don't matter. But let me have you hit your toe in the middle of the night as hard as you can. And we will not repeat what you said when that happened because it wasn't right. Let's just say you said a few curse words when that happened. For the rest of that night and for a couple days, the only part that matters. You hadn't been thinking about your little toe in 15 plus years. But now all you can think about is your little toe. Notice why. Because every part matters. And some of you know this if you've experienced health issues. There's parts of your body when they stop working right that they affect other parts of your body. And sometimes you don't realize that certain parts of your body were that important, but when they stop working, you're just like, I need to do something quick. It's the same way in the body of Christ. There's people that feel like, well, I'm not that important. When you stop working, you're affecting the whole body. And let me say this, you're hurting the whole body because you decided you don't want to play the part that you've been called to play. You don't want to do what God has called you to do. And notice, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everybody in the body. We know this in a a physical human body, because that's the example he's giving. When parts of your body does not work right, it affects the entire body. It hurts other organs internally. When certain organs don't work right, it's not just that organ that's messed up. There's other things affected in your body. It can throw your entire body out of balance with just one smart, small part of your body not working right. We know that. We know that when people lose a limb or something happens traumatic, that that drastically affects the rest of their body, not just that part of their body. So every part matters in the body of Christ. Every member of this church matters to the body of Christ. Every member globally of the church matters because we all have a part to play. It says in the scriptures here, it's implying, notice we're all different from one another in the parts we play. So we don't need to compare ourselves. We don't need to judge one another on what part they're playing because they're doing what they're called to do and it's got to be different from what you're called to do. That's why he says, notice, what does he say here about the body? He talks about the hand and he says, the hand cannot say because I'm not a hand, does that make me any less part of the body? And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? Notice our bodies have many parts and God has put each part where he wants it. So we're all different. The ear cannot judge the eye on what it's called to do because they're different jobs. The hand cannot judge the foot. on You're not doing it the right way. Well, we're different, so we're going to do it differently. It's the same way with your physical body. And so we see here that all of us in here are going to be different, and let's not judge one another for that. Let's celebrate one another for that. This would be a boring place if we were all the same part. 
Your life would be boring if you're around all the same people. Come on now, somebody. You married couple, say amen to this. You need somebody not like you. It helps you, even though we don't appreciate it a lot. <laughs> Can I get amen in the house of God from somebody? How boring a church would be if everybody had the same gift. How boring the church would be if we all did the same thing. No, we're all different, but we're all important in the parts we play in the body of Christ. Every part matters. Now he goes on to verse 22 and he says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So we see here, there's a lot of the unseen parts of your body are more important sometimes than the parts that you can see. Now let me use this for example today. You see me. Now, there's people in the back right now that are doing a job that's just as important or more important than what I'm doing right here, teaching your kids. You can't see them, but they're important. You can't see the people who mowed the grass yesterday, but they're important. You can't see certain parts of this church cleaning, greeting, doing the sound, doing the PowerPoint. You can't see those people all the time. But notice, sometimes what we see as the weakest parts are actually most necessary to what's going on here. So let's not judge it just because it's not a visible position doesn't mean it's less important. The part you have to play is vital to the health of the whole body. Just like in your physical body, notice... You can't see your brain, can you? I would say that your brain is pretty important. It's probably more important than your fingernails and your elbow and your armpit and your nose. Those things are important, but your brain is very important. You can't lose your brain. Your heart, you can't see your heart, but it's very important. It's very necessary. You can't see other internal organs that keep you living. You can only see these hands on the outside. You can see my feet. You can see my face, my hair, my nose, my ears. But notice, the things that we can't see sometimes are most necessary. The part that you guys are playing in here, when you're giving and nobody knows it, when you're praying and nobody sees it, when you're working during the week and nobody's here to give you a hand of applause, God sees it, God knows it, God appreciates it, and it's more necessary sometimes than what we're doing up here because if you didn't do your part, I couldn't do my part. Are you getting this this morning? And sometimes those things that we can't see are just as important. I was thinking about the sound man. This is kind of funny. God bless the sound man. The sound man... They get no credit for anything, ever. Because the only time we look at them is when something goes wrong. It's like, (laughs) hello. But they, they did it a hundred times the right way and nobody cares. Come on, let's give it up for the sound team one time, one time. 
I was just thinking about the other day. I'm like, they get judged so much. The praise team gets all the glory, and the sound people get all the disdain from everybody. The looks, it's too loud, it's too quiet. Why didn't you turn this on? What's this happening? And the praise team, oh, you're so anointed. And the sound team's probably just like, mute, 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 mute. Oh, anoint that. Are you anointed? Okay. Anoint yourself on mute because you ain't going to sound like anything now. Think about that. We never look at them other than glare at them when we don't feel like it's going right. It's funny, too. It's usually the people that don't know that much about sound is the people that look the most. at The sound people's like, what's going on back there? Some reason, you just became a sound expert just when you walked into church. You would even listen to music during the week, but you're a sound expert when it comes to church. All right, side note here. So, I wasn't talking about you if you were taking that personally. But notice the unseen parts are so important. We would have heard no praise and worship music without the sound team this morning. You could not hear me. Well, some of you could hear me. The the people in the front could hear me. But most of you couldn't hear me that well without this microphone, without this sound system. And they're doing it in the back. Nobody's looking at them. They're unseen. But they are important. Now, I feel like the sound team's going to do a really great job next week after this. (laughs) Shouldn't they do a good job for Word and Spirit Conference? And that's just one of many examples. People cleaning, people mowing the grass, people in the back, people doing things that you never see during the week to make this happen on Sunday. We have an amazing facility here. Can I get amen? It's clean. It's nice. The AC is good. The chairs are nice. Trust me, you should be be at some other churches. You would appreciate this place, the quality of it. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens because people that are noticed unseen in the body do things that are necessary. And it helps every one of us. It helps us focus during the service. If this place was dirty, if our seats were uncomfortable, if it was uncomfortable with the air conditioning in here, it would be hard to focus. But notice, we do all these things so people can focus and hear the Word of God because it's that important. And every part matters. And we know that when one part malfunctions in your body, it brings attention to the rest of the body. If one part goes wrong, it hurts the rest of the body of Christ. So realize the part that you have to play in this church and the church globally is important and it matters. So many people get out of the ministry of hells because they feel like it doesn't really matter anyways. If I get out, it's not going to be that big a deal. It is a big deal. Because you're not just doing that to yourself, you're doing that to other people. And it hurts everybody. You know, if I don't, you know, if I can't tithe and give like I used to, I just can't do that for a season. You know, when you do that, that's a selfish decision. Because it's not just a personal thing. You're hurting other people when you do that. Are you here this morning? When you choose to not pray for your church family... It's not just like a personal thing. No, you're connected to other people and you're hurting the body of Christ when you do that. I know I don't want to be a part of the body that hurts other parts. 
I don't want to be a part of the body that hinders other parts of the body of Christ. I want to be a part that helps. Let's look at Hebrews 10. Still here this morning. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, and we're going to turn to verse 23 in a moment. In the New Living Translation. Hebrews 10, 23 Now, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, we're going to read. But realize Hebrews was written to a church or a group of churches that they think were in Rome at that time. And the book of Hebrews was written especially to persecuted Christians. Persecuted Christians. Now, I don't know if you live in the United States recently, but persecution is rising People saying things about Christians and Christian values and the Bible and what people believe are getting more vocal. There's more persecution coming to the United States. Now, the rest of the world experiences persecution a lot rougher than the United States, to say the least. In other countries, you get killed and nobody cares. They just move on. United States, people say something bad about you on Facebook, and you cry about it for two weeks. Persecution level here. we got to put it into perspective. But it is true in the United States. You know this on TV. You can, you can listen. You can hear it. Persecution is rising. You could be the most loving Christian around, and as soon as you say something, people will call you mean and hateful, and you're judgmental, and you shouldn't be treating people that way, and you're just like, I didn't even say anything. I didn't, I didn't say anything. And people will start attacking you because that's just the culture we live in today. And trust me, it's not going to calm down. It's going to keep going on and on. It says it in the Bible, persecution will rise. So persecution was happening to this church that he wrote in the book of Hebrews so we could learn something from them right now. In Hebrews 10, 23, in the New Living, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. In verse 24, notice, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Verse 25, notice, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Notice what he says three times in this passage. He says, let us. Implying that you're a part of a local church. Implying that you're a part of a community. Because it was given in New Testament days that you're a part of a church. And he's speaking to a church and notice he says, let us hold tightly to these promises together. Let us, notice, think of ways to motivate or encourage one another. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So notice what he's talking about here. He says, as a church family, when you're persecuted more, you should get together more. When you're going through stuff, when you're being persecuted when the world is getting darker and it says in the, wor- in the word that when Jesus will be coming sooner, 
that you need to not draw away from each other, but draw close to one another and meet together. Don't forsake that. It's important. And so we need to understand this. Yeah, the culture has changed in a lot of ways with the way we treat church. It has changed on the way we view things. We have more things to do than ever before. It's not necessarily a good thing. We have more hobbies. We have more money. We have more cars. We have more movies. We have more music. We have more uh, extracurricular activities. We got more sports. We have more things than ever before. But that's still not an excuse to draw away from the community of God. And he says in this passage here that the closer we get to Jesus coming back, which you realize every day we're getting closer to that, the closer you get to that, the more you should meet together, not less. And I know a lot of people are calling for the culture we live in today that, you know, it's a big deal to even show up on Sunday. Let's think about this here. Jesus said through his word that when we get closer to the end, when we get more persecuted, we need to meet together more often. We need to be in God's house more often. It says we need to notice, motivate, and encourage one another more often. You know, when somebody asks you, are you going to Word and Spirit Conference? Ah, if I can make it. Did we just read the scripture? Yeah, if I can make it, if my work schedule works out for it. What kind of answers are you giving? Because it says you should motivate one another to be there. You should encourage one another, not, ah, yeah, I might be there next week. If I got time. Because it's your time, right? Did I say that on Sunday morning? It's your time, right? It's not God's time. Got quiet in this Methodist church, didn't it? If I got time in my schedule. He's encouraging us and he says, you know what, when you see the day approaching, you don't need to pull away from one another. You need to get closer. You need to be at church more often. You need to be in the house of God more often. Notice you need to meet together outside these four walls more often because it's not your time anymore, is it? Because we're all one body. It's not just your life anymore because we're all one body and every part matters. It's not just your space and your time and your job and your career. Getting quiet. Why? Because we're all one body and we all affect one another whether we want to or not. We all affect one another. Because we're all one body. And he says, let us, let us, let us. Notice, he's never talking about an individual person. He's talking about a group of people. The community, the church of God. Let us come together. Let us, notice, believe God together for promises. Let us motivate each other for love and good works. Let us not neglect ourselves together. Let us encourage one another. Are you seeing the significance of this? Because we're all in this together and every part matters. And the closer we are to Jesus coming back, we need to not neglect our times together. You know, just this Friday, I went to eat pizza with a bunch of guys from our church. So I'm not just telling you, you guys need to be in community and live life together. And I just live like a hermit in the hills by myself. Thinking about a hermit crab I used to have. God bless him. 
Yeah, one month, and they were done. They were done. Okay, I'm sorry. I got off track. But I can't just encourage you guys. You guys need to get, get together. You need to encourage one another. You need to do life together. You need to text each other. You need to call each other. I'm just going to sit and do my own thing. No, I need people in my life. Just this Friday night, we went and ate, ate pizza. And notice the whole time, we weren't talking King James Version English the whole time. Can now pass me the pepperoni, please? You know, we weren't even talking about the Bible the whole time, but something happens when we get together because we need each other, and we're better together. You know, we talked about music. We talked about sports. We talked about funny stories, all sorts of stuff, crazy stuff that happens in our church, and then later on we talk about it and we laugh about it because you know there's a lot of stories around here. (laughs) At the time, it's not funny, but later on it is funny. But notice, we're not forsaking from getting together. And I believe in this passage, it's not just talking about meeting together in the house of God. It it is talking about that, but it's talking about us meeting together on a regular basis, doing life with each other, eating, drinking, going to the malls together, going to work out together, going and living life with one another. And you know what? I had some symptoms on Friday. I wasn't feeling too good on Friday, but I pushed through because I wanted to be with those guys, and I had a great time. And I left feeling better than when I came in. Why? Because it's supernatural. And when you're a doer of the word of God, something happens. You know what? I left encouraged, refreshed. You know, we laughed together. We had a good time. My stomach was a little full of pizza. That was the only drawback from that. But notice, we didn't forsake getting together. Because why? It says, let us, let us, let us get together. And you don't realize a little text of encouragement is important. A little email of encouragement is important. What does it say? Let us encourage one another. Let us motivate one another. A little phone call will mean something to somebody. Going out for coffee, going out for some food, buying something for somebody in this church that you know has a need, that is all a part of letting us do life together, letting us notice, motivate one another. You know, somebody could be discouraged in here and you hear from God to go buy them something. You don't know what that means to that person. That could completely encourage that person and propel their faith forward that God cares about them and people care about them just by one act like that. So notice it says, let us Believe God together. Let us motivate one another. Let us encourage one another. And let us not neglect us getting together. We're not called to do life by ourselves. We're called to do life with other people. And we're better together because every part matters. Now I'm going to close soon. But thinking about this series and the importance of my church, I'm going to ask you a couple things before we close here. Is... When we come to church, or we're a part of a church, is your attitude, what can I get from church, or is your attitude, what can I bring to my church? Now, I know you have to receive before you can give out. So I'm not saying don't come wanting to receive something. But I'm saying, what is your attitude as a church? Is your attitude, let me see what they can give me? Or is your attitude, let me see what I can bring to these people? How can I help somebody at our church? Not you always wanting a handout from somebody else. 
How can I encourage one another when I come to church? How can I motivate somebody during the week? How can I bless somebody in our church? Not what do I get out of this? Now, like I said, you need to have that attitude of receiving when you come to church, but also what is your attitude with what can I bring to it? Because eventually that attitude is going to get you in a very dry, very dead place in your life when you're just receiving, 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 and you're not giving out. That's what happens to a lot of Christians after a while is they receive, 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 and never give out, and that's why their their Christian life is so dead, so stagnant, so dry. It's not fun anymore because you were never called to just receive, 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 and never give out. The way you get refreshed, it says in Proverbs, is when you refresh others, yourself will be refreshed. When you give to others, other people will give to you. When you sow what you've been harvesting, you'll receive more in return. Jesus said in the Gospels, freely you have received, freely give. So yes, I want you to receive when you're here and you need to. But also think, it's not all about me. It's not all about what I can just get from church. It's about what can I bring to church? What can I bring to my church family during the week when I'm not here? Who can I call this week? Who can I text this week? Who can I go do something with this week? Who can I bless financially this week? Who can I give? You know, maybe you have some stuff at your house you don't use anymore. Who in this church family needs that kind of stuff I can bless? That's all a part of it. And let's just not make those things natural. It's supernatural when we do those things. It's supernatural when we are givers and not takers. And we give to the family of God he's put us in. Something that you see all over the New Testament is, it's not about me, it's about we. It's about all of us in here. There's no such thing as a church family, it's all about me. No, it's not. It's about us. It's about the body. And every part matters. Every part's important. Did you guys get anything this morning? Brother Daryl, could you come up and play for a moment here?